Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to start at verse 24, read through 32, and then we'll put some other stuff together. We've been on a series about uncommon identity. And the more and the more that I'm going through this, the more I'm starting to understand that title because at first I didn't really understand it. Um, but uncommon identity. This is this is, is the identity that God is trying to get us to understand and be able to to be able to uh, to receive isn't going to be the way that everybody else gains their identity. Because if we look at how people gain their identity in this world, they gain their identity through their accolades of what they've achieved. They gain their identity by the groups of people that they hang out with. I mean, come on. Even if you go to a church, they, they ask you what church you go to, and the first words out of people's mouth, they will give a denomination. They gain their identity with the groups of people that they associate themselves with. They gain their identity based on their riches or their poorness. They gain their identity based on the city that they live in or the country that they live in. That's how people gain their identity. And what I'm telling you now through this series is that the identity that you're going to gain hopefully through this teaching is the uncommon identity you're going to be able to find your identity in ways that other people are not finding theirs and they're not really finding their identity they're finding the identity of others They're just attaching. This is why we struggle so much with what we face in life because I try to fight with your identity. I wasn't structured that way. It wasn't set up that way. See, some of us are set up to go and war for things. Others are set up to go and pray for things. Others are set up to go and fast for things. You better know who you are in Christ. You better figure this out. This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about accessing your identity. How do, how do we go about doing it? And, and I'm not trying to give you a, a, a step one, two, because I'm not a very great teacher anyway, but step one, two, three, and five, I'm not trying to give you that. If you'll do this and this and this and this, then you'll find, I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that it's going to take, it is going to take an encounter with God for you to get your identity. That is what I am telling you. An encounter isn't an introduction. An encounter is life-changing. <laughs> you want to know why I don't lay around with other women? Because I had an encounter. Not because I'm scared of her. Not be Uh-oh, watch this. Now, now I'm going to make you scratch your head. I'm going to make you scratch your head. And it's not because there ain't women out there that I've looked at. Man, come, I wish somebody else would just go ahead and stand up with me this morning. Listen, let me tell you something. The temptations of the enemy will draw your eyes and your heart if you are not careful. But I had an encounter, Dennis. And when I had that encounter, I ain't saying haven't been tempted. I'm not saying that. If I told you that, I'd be lying. Come on, you women, stop. Y'all see that, what is that one dude that come up out the water with his long hair and everybody just went crazy? Come on, help me, Tater. Don't look, look. Who? There he is. See? How you know his name? <laughs> see what I mean? So, listen. We can be tempted. The Bible actually says that we're pressed on all sides. And if you don't know the identity of who you are, you will fall to the temptation. It, did you see, man, I'm a, I might get to the scripture. I even, look, I got fancy on y'all this morning. It wasn't on there. I typed it. Thank God for word check. Spell check. But even Jesus was challenged in his identity. Yeah. What would have happened to this wretched world if Jesus would have fallen? Now, we're talking a man that was 33 years old, so he has been introduced. <laughs> he had been seasoned. He had encountered life. 
that could have persuaded him, this is who you are. Oh, yes, he could. Look, isn't that Joseph's son, the carpenter? <laughs> Come on, everybody knew that he was born of a virgin. Wink, wink. Everybody thought that she had went and just cheated on Joseph. Didn't your mama lay with somebody else? Come on and have to fight through that in your life. Come on, church. Look, don't act like you ain't never had to defeat the identity of what someone had labeled you. We all, most of us in here right now, if I told you dump your pocketbooks in your purchase, I could find your label. This is who I am. That's what my mama told me. That's what my dad said. That's what my aunt said. My uncle, my school, all oh, the school. Look, you can, I, look, and I know people. I've heard of people. That take off to college, believe in one thing, and come back, and they've been turned upside down because of the education. Listen, I'm, you better find your identity in him. If there's any books that you're going to read to hunt for your identity, it better be in this one. i got to get on some notes or I'm not going to make it. Let's read this scripture. Then. I could stay there for 15, 20 minutes. Because when it starts out then, well, what happened before that? See, I've got to go back now and look. I've got to know what has happened, what has transpired to bring me to this word then. It doesn't matter everything after then if we don't understand before. There are, okay, I'm probably going to be here 10 or 15 minutes. We got to one word so far. Y'all just help me. There are things in your life that you're waiting on. You're waiting on the then season in your life. But you ain't figured out how to handle the before season. If you can't get through chapter 32 up to verse 24, if you can't get through that portion, you can't go from 24 to 32. Come on. All that was written was written for our learning, so maybe we should learn from it. But then... Jacob was left alone. <laughs> I could stay there for days. Have you ever felt left alone? Have you ever wondered why you were left alone? What am I supposed to do now that I'm left alone? Come on, we might lose a spouse. What am I to do now? People change when they lose spouses. Because spouses have become of who they are. And we have to be careful. But many of us have been left alone. What do I do in that season of being left alone? And a man... Wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him. He touched the socket of his hip. Understand. Because I've heard preachers talk about this. The touch and you know being touched by Jesus and whatever. Blah, blah, blah. That literally means to be, to be struck so hard that it causes your hip to be dislocated. That's what that literally means. It means to be punched. So he wasn't just touched. He was hit with force. 
That's what caused his hip to... That's what that means. That's the literal meaning of that, is to be struck with force. Not to be touched. I'm, can I tell y'all that some, Jesus is going to punch you one day? He, well, let me quit. And his hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? Now for quite some time, he's not used this name in Scripture. Some believe it was about 20 years. Because when he left his house, his home, remember he introduced himself to Laban as kin. He doesn't say, I'm Jacob. So many times, we, we will dodge what we really are, who we really are, to deceive the ones that we talk with. He was known as the deceiver. He didn't introduce himself as the deceiver, just like Satan won't introduce you to himself as Satan. The Bible says he comes like light to deceive you. But he says, what is your name? And here, it's here that Jacob says, Jacob. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have wrestled with man and with God. And have overcome. Then Jacob asked. Blank screen. With a swirly. Why is it. Or tell me your name I pray. And he said why is it that you ask about my name. And he blessed him. There. Man, the more I keep reading this stuff, the more stuff is opening up. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God's face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel, and a swirly, and a black screen, do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because it touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. When you look through the Bible, there were several name changes. And I'm not going to give you meanings behind all that. I just want you to know a couple of different things that happen when name changes. A new life begins. If you look at the people that had their name changed, new life began. They had a, they had a new beginning. They, almost as if they started over. Look at Abram, and it went to Abraham. Look at Sarah, and it went to Sarah. Jacob goes to Israel. Look at Hoshua, Hosea, Hoshua. Moses changed to Joshua. The, the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's what we know them as. Can I tell you that we should not know them as that? Because that was not their name. But someone tried to imply a new beginning for them. They give them a new name. Saul was turned to Paul. So when we see names change in the Bible, there's a new beginning.
there's new life. Jacob, although that he is now Israel, Jacob was chosen by God when he was in the womb. And his parents called him Jacob. But we, as a people, we, we need to understand and realize that just because we have been chosen by God, and how many of you know that you have been chosen by God? Just because we have been chosen by God doesn't mean that we're not going to go through some circumstances and some issues in life that may not appear as though we have been chosen. We all fight something along the way, even though we have been chosen. We all have to fight it and go through it. But it takes these times, it takes these scenarios and situations to bring us into an awareness of how much it is that we do need God. If you didn't know that you had a need for God, you would have never given yourself to God. If you didn't know that you needed, if you never were sick, you didn't know that you ever needed a doctor. You didn't have bills, you didn't know that you needed money. Well, I tried on that one, but we were all chosen of God before becoming a Christ follower or a disciple of Christ. But we weren't born that way. Actually, we were born into sin. There had to be a moment that we found ourselves, that we came to ourselves. We all had to come into an experience of the goodness of the Father in order to realize our being lost without Him. It's through the encounter with Holy Spirit that we become drastically and forever changed though our name may not be changed here on earth in the physical our name has been changed in heaven Tommy go to Revelations chapter 2 verse 17 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Scripture or what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Anybody? Have, I've often wondered, I really wanted to know what the manna looked like. Now, I've finally realized this morning that he's actually going to give me an opportunity to taste of it. Well, I mean, that's what it said. But anyway. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. You know, we, we always want... We always want the good thing. We always want the glorious picture of the change. We, we always want to step into the, the dreamland, but we don't want to go to sleep. Even, even in the name change of Jacob, we find Jacob's name being changed in the midst of a crisis. Jacob has left Laban, Laban, whatever you want to call him, after he had went over there and had been deceived by Laban. And then Jacob wants to pile everybody up and take off. So now Laban's not very happy with him. Y'all remember he actually went and sought him out. Remember that? And he caught him in the mountains and he talked to him. And before he even went to Laban's house, he had already been taken out of his own house. His father said, you can't stay here. You need to go to Laban's. And he's got his brother Esau a little ticked. And Esau's after him. Esau's upset, just like you and I would have been upset if somebody would have snookered us out of something. We would have been mad, and some of us would have went after him too. 
bats, whatever. But we would have gone after him. And this is where Jacob is right now. Jacob, Jacob is in this portion of his life. He is, he's between what has taken place in his past with Laban. He's looking at what is facing him with his brother. Because before all of this took place, before the then, this is the before. He gets to this place, he, he gets his, his servants and he gathers all of this flock and the, the livestock and he gives it to his servants and says, here, go take this to Esau. Because remember he had a dream, he had a visitation from an angel and the angel told him to go and make amends with his brother. I'm giving you kind of the short of, that's him calling right now. <laughs> but he said, I want you to go to your brother and I want you to make amends. This is just the RDN version. And Jacob's going, okay, but, 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 and he says, if you'll go, I'll make it well with you. And I will make, I will increase you, basically is what he's saying. I'm going to give you nations. Your, your, your offspring will be many. You'll have to read back through some of it. Read on your own leisure. Like every day. But, so Jacob is going, okay, I've got Saul facing me, and Saul is probably, or Esau, and he's probably going to take my life. So that is what stands before me. I can't turn around right now, and I can't go back to Laban, because he's not very happy with me. And if I go back, it probably won't turn out very well. But there was a portion that Jacob decided that he was going to go to the Father in prayer. Can we go? Let's go to the Father in prayer. Let's go chapter 32, Tommy, and go to number 9. I'm looking for my glasses on my head, and I can't see them. Chapter 32 and verse 9, this, this is Jacob, and he says, Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, he's reminding God of what he said. He knows what he's doing. Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all of the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered. And it goes on to say that that's where he stayed. He had gotten to a point that he had taken his wife and his, his wives. Poor guy. His wives and his children and took them across the water. And he said, now you go. And he sent all of his belongings with them. And then that's where we come into the then. Jacob was left alone. Can I tell you that when you are in the midst of finding your identity, when you're in the midst of knowing who you really are in God, there's going to be a time of isolation. Isolation is not the bad part. It's not isolation, it's seclusion. That's the bad. When you are secluded from people and you don't want to be a part of people, that's the bad place to be because the Satan, the enemy, will work on you there when you seclude yourself. See, when you're going through the troubles and the trials of life, you can't back away from everybody. That's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Because if you'll back away from everybody that cares and loves for you, that wants to give you godly counsel, you're not in a position to receive the godly counsel because you've blocked everybody off from you. You don't don't want to hear about it. Oh, you're the big bad bold one says, I already know what the Bible says, but I ain't doing it. <laughs> and you want to know why life is pressing. Isolation God used in this very moment for preparation for Jacob. He used it 
for this time to find out who Jacob could see himself really be without any influence from the outside world. See, when God pushes us into isolation and he's trying to show us something and teach us something, sometimes it takes us, more often than not, it takes us to get away from everybody else and every what words you want to put in my life and what words you want to do and what visions you have and what dreams you might get and what you think I should do... I, all of that, do you really understand what, and, I, and I'm going to just give you a little bit of the heaviness this morning that was on me. Because I could not get through praise and worship without seeing people that once were here. I seen people clear right here. That had been here once before. That aren't anymore. God's not about separation. And what And when you tell me that God said sometimes I want to ask you what God you serving Because if it's God ordained boy the surgery is so smooth no scars are left God used this time. He wanted to, to find out from Jacob. Jacob, do you, do, you really know, do you really know who you are? You, you know what Esau has said you are. See, many of us, we're, we're running from our past with the scars from our past that define us. See, when you get caught by the police and you go to jail, I, I guess this is kind of how it works. Right? And if you have scars or tattoos, that's how they identify you. And if we aren't careful, the scars and the tattoos from the past will become our primary mechanism for the identification of who we are for the rest of our life. And God wants you to know this morning <laughs> that your past doesn't dictate who He created. He will take the broken and the bruised and the scarred and the tattooed. And he'll make you into something. I'm not going against tattoos. Y'all with me? You ain't getting mad at me, are you? Because I talk bad about tattoos. I know Lynn and all. But anyway, never mind. But we, we have to stop. We, we can't continue to try to find our identity in the things that we have, that, that, that we have come past or, or come across in our past. I mean, just think of how Jacob could have been. Ja Jacob right now is living in fear. How many of you are running in fear? Okay, well, let me help. Let me bring it right down in your living room. How many of you have had a condition and the doctor has went and give you a diagnosis and said, hey, it's cancer, and guess what? Can I tell you that people begin to run in fear? Look, I can, I can tell you now people begin to run in fear. Personal experience. Getting a phone call and I have to go to the hospital and I'm the first one there. My brother's lying in the bed and he looked at me when I walked in. I said, buddy, how you holding up? And he said, Rocky, I don't want to die. Don't tell me that fear, one of the hardest conversations I had to have with my brother, but don't tell me that fear won't step into your life and give you an identity that will cause you to walk with your head down, your shoulders slumped. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Because somebody betrayed you in the past. And you're carrying that scar. And that scar is causing your identity to be locked up. Because you cannot access, listen to me, you cannot access your identity unless the Holy Spirit gives you your identity. And the Holy Spirit will not reveal your identity until you're willing and able to let some things go. But here we are. 
We're caught up in the midst of what's happened in the past and what's standing before us. See, we, we fear a lot of the things. God, we, we want to make reconciliation, God, but I know that as sure as I'm saying, he's going to try to kill me. If I tell, if I ask this person to forget, they're going to punch me and I don't want to go. I don't want, see, God has put us in the threat. There it is. God's put us in the threshold of life and he's allowing us to stand there and he's giving you an opportunity to peer over your shoulder because this is what happens when it came to the wrestling match. I don't believe that it was just Abraham, it was just Jacob wrestling with God in the flesh. I don't, I don't gather that. I gather it spiritually. There was a moment he said, Jacob, you have wrestled with with God and you have wrestled with man and you have overcome them both. I believe it was a part of Jacob that Jacob had to find in himself to wrestle with man from the past that he was able to forgive. That he was able to forget about it. That he was able not to live the way that he had been talked to, talked about, put on, whatever else. And he was able to look at God and wrestle with the God man in him and say, I want to surrender. I want to give in. I don't want to be who, the, who they said I was there. I want to be who you say I am here. I believe that was the wrestling match. And I believe that all of us are going to have to go through that wrestling match at one point in our life and decide whether it's going to be God or whether it's going to be them. I'm telling you now that God said, now is the time for your new name. Walk in your new name. Step off of the threshold of life. You've got to trust him either way. Why do you make it so complicated? Don't you want to know who you are? Can I tell you, if you fight a fight knowing who you are and the abilities that you have and the artillery that God has given you to fight circumstances, and if you will fight them, man, he's really working on me because I'm out of breath. But if you will fight the circumstances based on what God has given you to fight with, that you will probably be able to go through that circumstance a lot smoother, a lot faster, a lot more victorious. But we have decided somewhere along our way to let other people identify us. I don't want to carry the identity that you put on me. Not that you're going to say anything bad about me because I know you will not. Right? I'm tired of what the world has put on me and said this is who I am. I'm tired of having to live up to other people's standards and their expectations. Who are they? Are they my God? Have they created eternity for me? Can they call the very breath of life out of me? Why do I look to appease them? Don't count yourself broken when you find yourself in the midst of isolation. God's given you an opportunity to look behind you and look in front of you and take a consensus of what he's given you. And see, when you're willing to let go of the past... And move into what God has for you. You find the key to your identity. You want to know what that identity is? That identity key is humility. See, Charlie, when we're, when we're willing and, and able and we can find it in ourselves to be able to go and stand in front of somebody and say, you know, I'm so sorry because I thought, boy, I wonder how many people put identity markers on me. And stand in front of me and say, you know, I was told, I was shown, but I was wrong. That's humility. It takes humility. If you 
if you can't find humility in yourself, you can't ask for forgiveness. Not even <laughs> to your Father in heaven. Yes. See, I, w- I want God to shake you so much. I want you to have the, such an encounter with God that when you even say his name, you tremble inside. Not out of fear <laughs> that the world gives us, but out of humility. Knowing that, I, God, I'm not even worthy to say, priest, writers, Anytime they would write Yahweh, they would take baths at every letter because it scared them so much to even put his name on paper. And we'll use it in vain. Your identity is locked inside of you. And God wants me to let you know this morning that the key to unlocking your true identity is humility. Will you surrender to him? You're all not. You can take it. I'm going to just say it to you. I ain't going to say it to nobody else. It's like me and you having a conversation. Surrender your all. Not, not just this part of your life, but all of it. Not just the right side of your mouth, but the whole mouth. Y'all know what I mean? People talk out both sides of their mouth. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh, that's Christian people. <laughs> and they're what? Dear God in heaven. The church is fighting a battle that they do not even know what they offer. We've yet to walk in our true identity. Because we've yet to humble ourselves. God said the man that will humble himself, he will exalt. And the man that will exalt himself, he will surely humble. You want victory in your life? Humble yourself. Well, pastor, what I do humble myself. I always I always ask for forgiveness. I always forgive. I always put myself below the other person. I always try to exalt them and put them above me. Can I ask you the other question because most cases all Christians will do one of the other. They will either they will either humble themselves into the point that they are willing to ask for forgiveness to the world and and to people and to harmful things that they've done in the past, but they yet to trust God. So they'll do one or the other. I'll forgive, but do you trust God? See, Charlie, you can't say that you trust me and won't even let me sit in your car. You can't tell Lisa that you trust her and not let her have access to your wallet overnight. He said, that came with prayer and fasting. (laughs) But are you getting what I'm saying? See, we want to pick and choose how we find our identity. And God is saying, you've got to let go of the past and trust me with the future. That's pure and total humility. Knowing that you will never succeed without him in your life. Knowing that you will never have without him in your life. Knowing that there is never any healing without him in your life. There's no salvation without him in your life. You're nothing without him. The Bible says that you're filthy rags. I won't go into a full disclaimer on that. You can ask her after church. She'll be glad to tell you. Put you on a seat. But too many times we will fight And we fight hard. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm not saying that you're lazy and you don't. I'm saying that you're fighting. You're fighting. I know you're fighting. But you're fighting the wrong thing. If you're going to wrestle, you wrestle with man and with God. Wrestle until you win. Overcome. Don't quit. 
Don't stop. Don't let somebody else tell you who you are in Christ. Allow this encounter with God and the Holy Spirit to open up to you everything about you. See, there is something, I'm going to close with this point. There, there is something that's going on with the, with, with the church people. Because in Revelations 2.17 where it said that no one knows the name but he who received it. Oh, can I help you? Let me help you. Nobody else can tell you who you are but you. You're going to have to choose. Am I this name on the rock? Is this me? And see, we think we got to get to heaven to live out that name. God wants you to live it out now. He's got a name and it's probably some, I don't know, I'm going to just say a Hebrew name or something. It's probably got all them little lines on it that mean you don't, if we looked at it now, we'd go, what kid scrabbled on it? But he's, he's got a name. And it's on the stone. Oh, man, I wish I had him. It's on the stone, and it's in a pile right beside the throne. Not really. I don't know. Maybe. But there's a pile of stones somewhere because he writes them down. And he puts your name on it. And he says, and if you overcome, he'll give it to you. To him who overcomes, boy, that thing do it one more time. I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. I will give him a stone to him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. Hang on, Tommy. I'm not going to make you back up. I'm going to try to back up. I was closing with that point, but hang on. This was to the compromising church. This was the letter to the compromising church. And and to the angel of the church. Remember, we talked about... He wrote these letters to the angel of the church, the ones that were appointed over the church. He scolded the angel. Boy, don't you know that made them feel good when they had to read it aloud before the congregation. And he he wrote one letter, and it was passed to all seven churches, so everybody knew everybody's business. Boy, boy, you better be careful. You think everything's going to be hidden. God's going to put it on a projector. I hope he don't put it on that one. Well, I hope he does put it on that one because that one keeps going in and out. Maybe somebody will miss something. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, these things say, He who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Boy, that was a powerful sermon. And you know and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was faithful, martyrer, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have those things, or they're they're those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which... Which thing I hate. That doctrine was dominating the people of God, basically. Repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord Lord says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone and on the stone a name 
written which to no one except him who receives it. Now does this say that when we all have died and the resurrection has happened and we're in heaven, is that what he's calling overcomers? I mean, I'm, I'm asking for some help. I don't know, these seven letters, or this, this letter that was written to the seven churches, was written to the seven churches in that time. Nowhere have I read yet that when the resurrection happens and we all get to heaven, he is telling the church this is what's taking place. And if you will overcome, if you will overcome, I will then give you hidden manna to eat. He is saying, listen, let's just take it back to Genesis. He's saying if you will find a way to wrestle with man and with God, and if you will overcome them both, and you will, you will, you will, uh, you will humiliate yourself or you will, you will, Humble yourself before God and lay yourself out before Him and you will turn away from man and not allow them to dictate. If you will overcome both sides, I will give you hidden manna and I will give you a stone. Y'all ain't got it yet. With your new name on it and only he who receives it will know. You're, gonna have, you're just going to have to eat it with lunch. I don't know how else to give it to you right now. I'm, you're going to have to eat it with lunch. If you can find a way to overcome in the here and now. Amen. I will reveal to you. Anybody want a life change? Anybody want a new beginning? See, we think that just because we give our heart to Christ, that was the only new beginning. Can I tell you, there's nothing new under the sun to Him, but there's something new to you each and every day. Every time the Lord just switches, there's something new. That's why the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. Because every time they sing, there's a new dimension in God that they haven't seen. And they've been there for eternity. Do you think that maybe, just maybe... He might want to show you something new in him. Will you get off of your religious high horse and will you find a way to overcome life? Overcome yourself? See, it's, it's, when, we, it's when we succumb to the self-centered desires of ourself that we lose focus of our identity. Because then it's not about God. It's about you. How you feel. God, I'm poured. Find a way to overcome now, Charlie. Let's not wait. Why don't me and you, everybody else can stay in here. They can chew on it over lunch. Let's just go ahead and grab it. Let's find a way to overcome. And let's humble ourselves before the Lord. And let's make a decision to forgive those behind us in which we've done wrong and they've done wrong to us. Let's just go ahead and make amends. Because the Bible says that we can't even come and bring our offerings to the altar until we have first gone back to the ones that we have wronged. and Or actually it says that they have wronged us. <laughs> That's the hard part. Well, any of you ever went back to somebody and said, hey, you've done me wrong, and I, I know that you probably didn't know that you've done me wrong, but I'm sorry that you've done me wrong. Well, uh, I'm going to forgive you. Has anybody ever tried that? How did it work out for you? I had them look at me and go, what? What are you talking about? I don't even know that you said that. I know. <laughs> I was hoping to get away with it. Man, if we, if we can win, Charlie, if we can win this internal battle and be willing to submit ourselves to God and be willing to trust God, I mean trust Him. Stop playing with Him. Stop thinking that today's church services is the answer to all your questions. It's not. You're going you're gonna to fight something else today. It's going to be another devil. Just so he can get your mind off of what food you were fed. 
He wants to kill that seed before it sprouts. Resisting. He'll flee. Has to. I got one page of notes out. I'm not going to keep it. It's only 2 o'clock. Maybe we'll pick up some more of this. I just, listen, your then can't happen until you understand your before. Let God pull you. Let him, let him set you in a, in a place and say, okay, wrestle. Oh, remember wrestling matches? Blue corner, ready? Red corner, ready? Hey! Oh. But this fight, Joe, is a fight unto death. You either die or you die. But one death means there's a second one coming. But the other death means that you live forever. Amen. See, you, oh, I've given you life and I've given you death. Please, please choose life. You're, you're going to have to fight this. There's, it's a cage match. Everything's, you're going to have to fight it. And you got to keep fighting. And you got to keep fighting. I'm telling you, humility. That's the only key to get out that cage. We have to make a decision. Let me see, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I want my true identity handed to me in a white stone. God, that is my prayer. That is my prayer. I want, I want a dream. Like, I, want, I want a dream where Jesus is sent. He hands me a white stone. I, I want that dream. And I don't want it just written in Hebrew. I want to be able to understand it. I want to know, I want to know the name. Because he said that only he who receives it will know. Can't nobody else tell you who you are. Only Christ can tell you who you are. He created you for the love of Peter, James, and John. He knows you. He has seen your end from the beginning. I was supposed to close 15 minutes ago. I'm done. My God, don't you want to know your true identity? Wouldn't it be much easier to fight life knowing really who you were not who other people want you to be. Stand to your feet. I'm done. Y'all better leave me alone because I'll go to page two.